You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Galatians chapter 3. We have been talking about the anointed one and his anointing, understanding Christ. Remember Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. That word Christ is a word that's Greek translated from the Hebrew word, which we say in English as Messiah. And both those words mean exactly the same when translated into English is the anointed one. Well, the anointed one means they have the anointing. That anointing is what makes someone anointed. What is that anointing? Well, who's the anointing? Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that anointing. So it's, the anointing is not a thing, it's a person. And so the word Christ means the anointed one. Now Jesus is the Christ. And sometimes I just want to clear up a little bit of a confusion that I had a discussion with somebody is around the fact that the Holy Spirit, obviously as the anointing, he is the one that makes us the anointed one. Are you with me? So Jesus is still the anointed one. It's not like the Holy Spirit now has become the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one because of the anointing. And that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when you and I are born again, we receive that same Holy Spirit. And now as the Holy Spirit within us, we are now the body of the anointed one because of the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when you see Christ, it's referring to the person Jesus, but it's not Jesus the man, it's Jesus as the anointed one. And so we understand that as Christ, we have to look at the, when you're studying a verse, you measure it in terms of this anointed one, are we dealing with the anointed one as the person or are we dealing with what the anointing in the anointed one has done? So each scripture you translate that way. You say the anointed one and his anointing or the anointing of the anointed one. Both those translations are accurate. And you determine by the context of the reading which one we're referring to. So with that in mind, here Jesus has taught his, the word Paul is talking about Jesus, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in the anointed one and his anointing, Jesus. Now, last, last time we spoke about when you see Jesus Christ and Christ Jesus. It's interesting that sometimes you see Jesus Christ, other times you see Christ Jesus. Now, you know everything that God says is for purpose. Not by accident. It's not just how it slipped off the tongue at the moment. No, when you see Christ Jesus, it speaks from the anointed aspect. That's the Holy Spirit ministering through the man, Jesus. So it's God reaching out to man through the person of the Holy Spirit. When you see Jesus Christ, it's the man Jesus referring to the Father. And the way we reach the Father is through, again, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So there's a relationship, you could say, earth to heaven, Jesus Christ. And Christ Jesus' relation of heaven to earth. 
And so you and I would never be sons of God except through heaven reaching us. Not like man woke up one day and said, I wonder if there's a God. Let me find him. No, God was the one who reached out to Abraham and said, I am El Shaddai. Now, this is how we're going to work. And so all the way through the ages, no one need, knew we needed a savior. But Jesus, God already had determined Jesus would come. God so loved the world that he gave his son. See, again, father, son. Now, when we say sons of God, again, remember, it's not just talking about the gender male son. Because within the realm, we'll see it now in the scripture, in the realm of the spirit, we are all spirit. So when it comes to the realm of the spirit, we're talking about authority, not gender. How many you know when you get to heaven one day, there's, there's neither male nor female? But while we're in the earth, you put into an earthly body. This body's not me. Are you with me? So this body is a male body. How do you know? You just have to look. Male and female, he created them. So God sent me into this body for a purpose that I fulfill as a male. God sent Deneen's spirit into a female body to fulfill her call as a female. And only when we both walk in our roles are we able to fulfill that calling in producing our children and what needs to be done in the kingdom of God. See, when you see the scriptures and the understanding of it, there's no confusion. So you understand God created with purpose, with, with, with reasoning behind it. So when you're in the realm of the spirit, don't be confused by the genders because we're not talking gender when we say son. We're talking about a position of authority. Now, you wouldn't be wrong if you said daughters as well. But so sons is everybody. It's not just speaking to the male bodies. Every spirit. Amen. Now, how are you able to be a son of God? Because of your faith in that anointing of the anointed one, Jesus. You trust what he did. He is the anointed one. You believe that. And through that anointing, God reached through man to be able to call us to be sons of God. Hallelujah. Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into this anointed one, you have put on the anointing of the anointed one. You didn't put on Jesus. You don't wear Jesus. Are you with me? So when you're born again, you don't put on Jesus. You put on Christ. Now, Jesus is the anointed one. But what made him the anointed one? The anointing. Remember, he himself said uh, that you've been baptized. John has a baptism of water, but I will baptize you with fire. Who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. So when you're born again and you receive that baptism, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what happened when Jesus was baptized. As he came up out the water, John saw the Holy Spirit come on him. It was like a bird landing on him. And that made him the anointed one at that moment. So the same way, when you were baptized in that fire, in the Holy Spirit, in the anointing of the anointed one, you put on that anointing. That's what makes us the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Now here it is, verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. 
What's that talking about? The pigmentation of your skin. Doesn't matter where you were born, what country you were born in, what nation you were born, what, where your parents came from. Your pigmentation does not determine who you are in the kingdom of God. Shout a bigger amen. amen. We really need to get over these things. Even where the world is still struggling to talk about racism and all that sort of thing. Family of God, not in the kingdom of God. I said not in the kingdom of God. We don't go to church deciding on, well, there's more of this color of my skin or more of that color of my skin. I can't go to that church anymore because that color is starting to get overtaken. That's, all, that's a bunch of nonsense. You get to heaven, I'm, I just don't, you know, I don't know how to put it to some people, but there's not going to be a sign saying this, this nation that way, that nation this way. You're all going to be stuck in the same room worshiping God anyway. So get used to it while you're on the earth. Can I get a bigger amen? Yeah, come on, give Jesus praise. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. And that's, that's talking about hierarchy. Don't look down your nose at anybody ever. You'll be surprised at how some people dress and then you find out they got lots of money and then we change. Now we're going to be nice to them. Before we couldn't even give them the time of day because we thought they were going to come back. Meanwhile, they can... Pay off your house and you. We don't judge people by what they wear or where they live or what they drive. Come on, bigger amen than that. There's neither male nor female. Now we've already discussed this as in my intro is that we're not talking about the physical body here in the realm of the spirit. That's why I wonder if, I wonder if women should be teaching in the church. You're talking about a DNA of a body. The Spirit is born again. The Spirit is anointed. Evidently, Jesus doesn't mind because how else would an anointed word come out of that body? You may as well say amen. I don't have time to teach on that now, but I have already taught on it. But here it's clear. Neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. Why? You are all one because of this anointed one, Jesus. Through God reaching into the earth, we are brought together as one family, one voice, one nation, one people serving Jesus. And if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now look at verse one of chapter four. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he's master of all. What's he saying? But he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. How many you know a child in the home doesn't have the freedom to make decisions the way an adult does? And so just the same way as you may have hired help in the home, the child is saying, what Paul is saying, they are at this, the same level because they, they don't have the decision-making ability that the head of the home has. But notice what he says here. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, now, if someone has a son, what makes them? What, what does that make them? 
a father. That's where we're talking about God as the father now. Sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? So that he could redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption, listen to this, as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Now, who's that? That's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of His Son. That's what makes Jesus the Anointed One. So He sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you're an heir of God. How? Through this anointed one. Hallelujah. Now get a hold of this. That anointing, the Holy Spirit in you, cries out, Abba, Father. The word Abba is the word, it is like we would say, my children, you could either say Father, if you're really formal, or Daddy. That's Abba is Daddy. Daddy or Papa or something like that. So when you're saying Abba, Father, he's not just your father. He's that daddy, that intimate father. It's not just a formal position. He's intimately involved with you. And how do you know for a fact that Father God is your daddy? Can I see your hand? See, now how do you do that? Because you're aware of the Holy Spirit within you that gives you that assurance. That's the Christ in you, is telling you he's your daddy. Say that I have a daddy. See, oftentimes when you counsel people that have struggled with father issues and why they struggle so hard to know God as a father is because the only example of a father is someone that lived in their home and abused them. And so they grow up with this abuse and this this fatherlessness and not having someone there as an example that you want to live up to. And as a result of that, many, many people's lives have been hurt and destroyed because of a lack of a sound foundation of a father that could be an example of what a man should be. And because of that fatherlessness, many have struggled with many, many addictions and struggled with identity issues and and pain and sorrow and struggled and battled. But I'm here to tell anybody that may have been through that, that is over. Because God, your father, will never abuse you. He will never hurt you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He doesn't say one thing and do another. He doesn't just put a face on. He will back his own word up with his own name. He says he holds his word higher than his name and he will watch over that word to perform it and he will make sure he'll give angels personal charge to ensure that what he has spoken. If you dare believe and say, God is my daddy. And He's there to protect you and surround you and look after you and hold you and nurture you and feed you and provide for you and look and teach you what you need to know. You have a daddy. Say that, I have a daddy. Look at that. It says He cries out, Abba Father. 
What cries out mean? That's not just telling you. God is in your heart. The Holy Spirit, Christ in you, is saying, you have a daddy. Can you hear it? Give him praise. Hallelujah. So Jesus in John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verse 22, it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. And Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch and the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the anointed one, tell us plainly. Now, why would they be asking that question? Because they are seeing things happen that only the anointing could make happen. They know the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. And this man is throwing blindness off people like it's something that can just be thrown away and break that thing and now that person can see. Yeah, as a lame man, he just says, pick up your bed and walk and that thing's broken. And <laughs> where the man was struggling for years, he's now free. They are seeing what they understand the anointing should be doing working in this man's life. And so rather than just, you know, us wondering, just say, you're the Christ. And that's their question. Tell us plainly. And verse 25, Jesus answered and said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. When the anointing is alive in your life, you're going to see the result. You will see burdens removed and yokes destroyed. Say amen. But you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. And as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father, my Daddy, are one. The Jews took up stones to stone him. And Jesus answered and said to them, how many good works I've shown you from my Father. Now for which of these works do you stone me? And so the Jews answered saying, we're not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man, make yourself God. Now family, you do understand that Jesus as the person is God. John chapter one, verse one. He always will be God. He always is God. You can't take the godliness, godness away from him. But when he came to the earth, he did not come as God. He emptied himself. The Bible says plainly in Philippians, he came as the likeness of man. Why? He had to come as Adam to get back what Adam destroyed. Now this man, they saying, based on what he said, you make yourself out to be God. Because they don't see the God person, they see the man. What did he say? Why? 
it's blasphemy for a man to stand and say, I am God. Well, that they're gonna stone him for. But he, did he say he's God? No. What did he say? Because there's obviously something here that they picked up on. And Jesus answered them, said to them, now this is a very interesting statement. Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? Now, this statement has caused so much controversy in the body of Christ because this didn't come from a man. This came out of the mouth of Jesus. He's talking to them. They want to stone him. And he says, the reason you want to stone me is they say, we're not stoning you because of the work. We're stoning because you said you're a God. And Jesus says, hang on, didn't I say you're all God's? I love it when it goes quiet because that tells me, you know. Well, just keep your finger here. Where did he pick this up from? Psalm chapter 82, verse 6. God says, you are gods and all of you are children of the Most High. Is that in your Bible? Okay, so we can't argue that away. God says, I I'm telling you, God speaking, you are gods and all of you are children of the Most High. Now, having a God as God Almighty, the creator of all things, is not saying, you are me. You're a creator. That's not what he's saying. What is he saying? Well, if you keep studying and you look at it and just don't get so nervous and, and, and touchy, let the scriptures speak. Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your poets have said, we are His offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. What's he talking about? A lot of times their worship was to idols. But the idol itself was the wood that they made to use to make the idol is wood that the creator made. The gold they fashioned to be some kind of thing they can bow down to you is the gold was made by the creator. So even the gods that they created to worship were figments of their imagination and the images were made out of stuff that the creator had made. But the word says here that we no longer serve that God. We serve a divine God, a living God, a God who's the creator of all things. And when you choose to serve God and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that moment you are born again. So the first time you're born, you're born into the earth, into a human body that your mother gave you and your father gave seed for that body to be formed. That moment you are born the first time, but in our sin we die. And then when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your body is not born again. Your spirit dies and passes away and a brand new species when it says a new creature, a new creation, you are, all things pass away, behold, all things become new. That new talking about a totally new creation, born as an offspring of God. Well, even in nature, we know that dogs give birth to dogs. 
You don't expect a cat to come out of a dog. Like begets like. So your human father and human mother gave birth to the human person. But when you're born again, God, your father, by the seed and power of his word, under the anointing of the anointed one, Jesus breathed that spirit, the very sperm, the word of God, the life-giving word that is life and spirit enters your, you born of incorruptible seed. And you're born from the Spirit of God. You are born of the God species. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got a hold of that. It doesn't mean you become God. You are of His Spirit. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes Jesus is the Anointed One. Let me see, how many believe Jesus is the Anointed One? Keep that hand up. And say, I believe Jesus is the anointed one. And yeah, the word of God says that when I believe that, I am born of God. Not born to God. You are born of God. You are his offspring. So we don't go around saying we gods, we gods, we gods. That's not the purpose of the scripture. It's saying you need to understand who your family is. So let's go back to verse 35 of John chapter 10. Now, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? They wanted to stone him because he said he's the son of God. Why? Because by saying he's the son of God means God's his father. They wanted to stone him because he said, God is my father. Get a hold of that. If, you do, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do the works, I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped their hands. Praise God. Now look at John chapter 12, verse 44. Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. You see, we mustn't judge people. That's not what Jesus is saying. We, we, we must understand. Isn't it amazing that people who don't believe in God and want to do whatever they want to do, they don't want to hear anything about God. They know nothing about the Bible, but one scripture they do know. The Bible says you do not judge. Hmm. Interesting. Steep theologians. That's not what the Bible says. What's Jesus saying? You understand that even Paul said that if one person keeps a day as holy, he does it to God. 
If another doesn't keep the day holy, he's still serving God. So you don't decide the day should be holy or not holy. That's what he's saying. You don't, you don't get to, you stand, each person stands before God on their own. But it doesn't mean there's no judgment. I, I, I don't accuse people of doing wrong without giving a solution. That's judgment. You know, you, you're a sinner. No, that's not what we, that's what Jesus is saying. I'm not yet to call you out. What he says, verse 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word I've spoken will judge you in the last day. So the word will judge you. But if someone says, but I didn't know what the word was, well, that's on me then. So I need to tell you what the word says, but telling you the word is not me judging you any more than Jesus is judging you. But telling you what the word says is so that you're aware of it because one day that word will judge you. God says, my word says, yes, sir. Well, what did you do? We will be held accountable to the word of God. Say amen. Amen. Verse 50. Now, verse 49, I've not spoken of my own authority. Here's what I want you to hear now. The Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Isn't that amazing? Jesus the Word, who is God, when He comes into the earth, says, I'm walking in this earth as much as you are human, I'm human. I've received the anointing. God is my Father. And as His Son, even what you hear from me is not what I decide. It's what the Father has told me. Now, here's what I want us to hear today. Fathers, and this is true for anybody, even, you know, ladies can receive from this as well. But as today is Father's Day, what are we saying? Because children don't just do what you say, they do what they see. And Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I've seen my father do it. Why was Jesus so successful? Because he had a father that told him how his kingdom works, showed him how the kingdom works, and he watched his father demonstrate the kingdom. And Jesus said, I will do what my father did. I will say what he said. And the result was he was successful. Now that's true in our households as well. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Have you have read Proverbs and see the amazing wisdom that comes out of Solomon? Well, where did that wisdom come from? And he writes here, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. Give attention to no understanding. I give you good doctrine. Don't forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, And the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, this is David speaking to his son Solomon, let your heart retain my words. 
Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake wisdom. She will preserve you. Love wisdom. She will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. Family, you and I as fathers have a responsibility to impart wisdom into our children. Don't let the world raise our children. Don't let the woke media dictate to your children the way to go forward. Don't let the school system tell them what needs to be done. We need to fight back against the school system that's trying to put perversion into the education system. We're not gonna idly stand by and say, go ahead, you take my kid for the day and put whatever junk you want in there. They're trying to change the bill to bring, produce the sick, distorted sexual education into our school system. We as the church need to stand up and say, no. Fathers need to stand at the forefront and say, not in our school. Come on, I thought I'd get a bigger amen than that. We're not gonna let the world take our children, crunch them up, spit chew them and spit them out as some distorted and perverted kid. We need to hold the standards high. Keep the Word of God. In all you're getting, get understanding. How will a child know what a father is unless I stand strong as a father? How will they know to go unless we lead? Don't lead from the back foot. Be intentional in your leading. 1 Timothy, Paul is explaining to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1. This is a faithful saying, for man desires the position of a bishop. I don't think bishop is just the man with a tall hat and a skirt and whatever. No, uh, the word there, again, in the Greek is the word overseer. You can be the bishop in your home. Can I get a bigger amen? The overseer, the, the one that protects and looks after a group. Father, your family, you are the bishop in your home. He desires a good work. So what is a bishop, this overseer? He must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Well, those that still wonder, the English husband is still the male word and the wife is the female word. The husband of one wife. Let me just say that I don't have time for it, but I need to just put it here. Don't come with any phobia, you're this phobia or that phobia. Phobia means fear of. I fear no one except God. But whether we're talking about one group or another group, oh, you're just against this group or against that group. No, no, no. The Bible's clear of it. That sex is reserved for one man, one woman in the place of marriage by God's design. So even if a male man sleeps with a female woman, it's crazy you have to say that today. And they're not married. That is as wrong as anything else. 
So I'm not anti this one or anti that group. I am pro God's family, male and female, and sex is reserved for that. Say amen, even if you have to open your eyes and not blink, say amen. If you want it, put a ring on it. Okay, uh, that's, that's not, that's just there. Uh, let's get back to Father's Day. That is, that's, that, that needs to be held in the home. That, that's what's gonna make strong homes, amen. Who's your daddy? I don't know, there's like six men coming in and out. Yeah, I don't know. No, no, that's, that's nonsense. I said, that's nonsense. So this bishop, one wife, temperate, sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Yeah, it is. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. If a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Family, it's all very well coming to church. Hallelujah, I'm a man. I'm a run a home cell. Hallelujah. And I sing in the choir. Hallelujah. And the children. Hallelujah. But where are your children? Where are your children? Why are your children not sitting next to you? When I see how children respond and, and, and sometimes I see, listen, how can we run down our church, run down the pastor, speak against the leadership in home and come in here all smiling and happy, hallelujah, I've got to go to church. The children pick up on that. And the children don't go to church because they feel they have to because you come in because you have to and you think you need to be here. Not you, I'm talking about. Joseph. But the children, why, why are they not excited about being in church? Because it's not what you do. They're listening to how you speak. What are you saying? How do we communicate our love for Jesus, our love for his house, our love for his church? And yes, we've all been hurt. We've all had people say horrible things, do ugly things. Things have happened in church. It's not just in church, it's happened in your work. It's happened in the mall. It's happened in the, in, in, in the sports field. It happens all over. But for some reason in church, well, that's a no, 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 hang on. God forgave you. No matter how ugly you've been or I've been, we've been forgiven. And I uphold the household of God. My man of God is held highly in my vision, in my speech, in my actions. My children see that. I've had many opportunities to be offended. But because I love God, I love the man he's put in my life to represent his word to me. I raise my children to love God, to love his house. That's an overseer. Look at verse 12. Let deacons. Now again, deacons. Uh, you know, they, they, it's not just a religious term. Again, it is a servant. A deacon is someone, it's like a waiter. So whether we're overseer or we're serving, the servant must be husbands of one wife. There it is again. Ruling their children and their own houses well. 
For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting that both requirements, whether you're overseeing or you're serving, both have a common requirement. Raise your children well. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Notice it's a commandment. It's not something you do because they're nice. You don't know what my father's like. That's fine. You still honor. What do you say about them? What do you speak about them? What do you, when they're not in your presence, how do you hold them high? That it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That word admonition means calling attention to, to exhort. Don't let your children just wonder who God is. You draw their attention to who He is. Draw your attention to Him as their Father, as the God, the Creator, the Savior. And the Bible says here, when you do that, don't provoke your children to wrath. We're going to church. Why? I don't want to go. Just go. I'm your Father. I'm your Father is not the right answer to why children need to do things. Because then they get angry and they don't understand it. If you have a valid instruction, explain the reason for that instruction. Hallelujah. Now, many of us have been challenged because we didn't have that fatherly example in our lives. We may not know what to do, but thank God we do have a heavenly father. And he has imparted the Holy Spirit within us. And he says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Yes. Family of God, there is an anointing. It is the anointing. And as we spoke about it last time, is that anointing manifests in different ways. Now, if you want to be a good father, don't look to the world to tell you how to be a good father. You look to your heavenly father and the example he has set. And then draw by grace that anointing to be that father. You are anointed as a father. The moment you sired a child, that child, when you were enabled that child to be born, there was a grace imparted to be a father. Awaken to that grace. Hold dear the heart of your heavenly father. And how has he raised you? How has he taught you? How has he guided you? How has he shown his goodness? And I want to impart that into my children. So that they can become the fathers in this nation that will raise a godly generation. Have you say amen. amen. Come on, give Jesus praise for his word. Let's stand together.
Just raise your hands in His presence. Father, today I thank You for this living Word and I thank You that You have granted grace to all our fathers in the household to be able to walk boldly as fathers. And I release that grace today in the name of Jesus, the very presence of the Holy Spirit, the very anointing of God ignites each and every one of us to be those overseers, to be those servants. We once again call for the leadership in the homes to be godly leadership, to release and reveal the wisdom of God. And we give the instructions to our children according to the word that causes growth and causes increase. I say, I receive the grace of God to be the leader God's called me to be. In Jesus' name.